Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, 50%. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfect Bill, your first place podcast for your 9-8 and eight coachless Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Part of the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. I am Sam Marcu, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, the good doctor himself, Doctor Christopher Cullen. Doctor, how in the hell are you, my friend? Well, Sam, we were talking off air <laughs> that, um, and I said this to Charlotte, my wife. Um, I said uh, the Miami Dolphins are good for me and Sam as podcast hosts absolutely terrible as fans <laughs> like they give us good content we are just entertaining year-round we can never be that team where the season ends there's hardly any news until draft time it's like no we gotta make a surprise fire and now brian flores is unemployed it's after beating new england and having another winning season just make it make sense man no i i don't know if it can make sense we're gonna try we're gonna we're gonna talk very extensively <laughs> about the brian flores news about how the season ended and things that are coming out by the minute here chris with relations to uh brian flores chris greer uh the head coaching search as that has begun for the miami dolphins in earnest there's a couple of names that uh, have already been attached to the miami dolphins um as well as some stories about um well, really, what's coming out about Brian Flores, um, turns out he's a Bill Belichick disciple and perhaps maybe the next Nick Saban. We'll get into it. But uh, yeah, let's start with the good news, I guess, Chris. And the good news is that you and I were completely wrong last week when we said that the Patriots are going to just come in and stop a mud hole in our ass. Uh, almost the exact opposite happened with the Miami Dolphins end the season with a winning record for back-to-back seasons for the first time since I think 2001, 2002, which is significant on some level. They beat the Patriots. They sweep the Patriots and uh, go four and two in the division in the AFC East, the two losses to the Buffalo Bills. Tua Tungavailoa is undefeated against the New England Patriots as a starter. And it's all for naught because the Miami Dolphins don't make the playoffs. They fire their head coach. And as you alluded to, it's now a complete shit show. But what did you think before we get into the shit show of the last game of the season for the Miami Dolphins? What worked? What got you excited? And uh, what still needs to be worked on? Yeah, I thought it was a good game. It was a lot of fun to watch to end our season. Um, we talked kind of jokingly, tongue in cheek, that, well, fuck it, we're not even going to watch it. What's the point? Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we will. And we did. And I did. And uh, it was fun. It was a good game, a late, late game for us on the East Coast. So, like, kind of, like, backed into dinner. So, everybody's in a good mood. Um, like you said, the game was kind of in control the whole time. 
Uh, Tua didn't blow off the doors like Herbert or anybody, but uh, you know he was he was fine. Made some bad throws, but made some good ones too. Fed Waddle immediately, like we asked him to do, got him the record, so that was out of the way. Beautiful scripted drive where Tua finds Waddle in the back corner of the end zone for a touchdown, making the crowd yay happy. Defense then turned around immediately, pick six, which I swear to God, I got witnesses called it. Uh, I, I was like, this drive starting with a pick six from uh, I think I said bitch ass Mac Jones. If I that's my dad and wife to quote me, but exactly what I said, and it happened. So we freaked the hell out, did a shot with my dad, which was great. Um, and then, yeah, like the running game looked good. Duke Johnson had a great game. They actually fed him. Uh, that Jesse Davis is benched, and the rookie comes in and gives up one sack, but looks pretty all right at right tackle. So things look good, Sam. And there's no better way than the end of season, even if there is no playoffs, and to make Bill Belichick upset, get me Mac Jones with his head down like Tom Brady in Miami, and continuing that two undefeated streak. So a good end of the season, which ended up being a, a very disappointing uh, full season. Yeah, two uh, two defensive touchdowns in this game, 33 points, which ties for the season best for the Miami Dolphins. Of course, you know, they, they finally put everything together. Jason Sanders makes his field goals and his extra points. The defense uh, comes to play. And uh, when you know it, the, the offense does just enough to make it interesting as well. Jalen Waddell, now the rookie or actually the all time NFL uh, rookie leader for receptions in a season. He did it in 16 games. Remember, he did not play in that second Jets game due to COVID protocols. So anybody who's crying foul. You know, between him and Anquan Bolden, they did it in the same amount of games. Um, it's it's impressive. It'll probably be broken next year or the year after that. The way this uh, the way this game is going with all the rookie wide receivers coming in and having immediate success. But uh, congratulations to Jalen Waddle. Congratulations to Jalen Phillips, Javon Holland, the three talented rookies. The the Jay brothers had an amazing first year for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa, middle of the road. You know, I think he ends the season with. Uh, well, not quite 3,000 yards, a decent amount of touchdowns, a really good completion percentage, almost 70% on the season. Um, but it wasn't enough for the Miami Dolphins to complete uh, you know, the playoff run. It was very interesting, Chris. Somebody had mentioned, uh, somebody else pointed it out on Twitter, the Miami Dolphins in 2021 are the first team to ever start a, a season one and seven and end with a winning record. And as somebody else pointed out, that's literally – this is the first year that could ever actually happen because there's only ever, ever been 16 games before. So you couldn't end with a winning record prior to this year. So year one, the Miami Dolphins uh, have have come out and, and made history, even though it was never able to be made before. Um, it was a good way to end the season. And, you know, like, like you said, it was fun to see Mac Jones dumbfounded. It was fun to see Bill Belichick lose again. You know, we're going to talk about Brian Flores, but you look at what he's done over the last two seasons, 19 and 14. Bill Belichick, I think, is like 16 and 17. He's just uh, the Miami Dolphins have been a better team over the last two seasons. They just don't have the playoff appearances to play to, to show for it, which ultimately, Chris, I'm of the opinion. And let's just get into it now. That's why Brian Flores is no longer here. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons and circumstantial evidence as to his personality, his lack of relationships, some of the indecisiveness as a coach in terms of his offensive staff. But if he had made the playoffs, I firmly believe that Brian Flores would still be the head coach for the Miami Dolphins just because it's, the success would dictate that he has to stay. Uh, what say you? Yeah, <clears throat> just uh, so I can get it right, because uh, I know Raced and others are going to uh, call you on this, so I'll do it first. The whole stat thing about it being the first time you can start with seven losses and have a winning record, could no. you have been nine? Okay. No, one in seven and then finish with a winning record. So we were the first. Nine and seven, yeah? No, not games? if you start one and seven. If you start one and seven, then you there's only 
Maybe the stat was like um, to start one and seven and then end with nine wins. It was something like that. I don't know. It was somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I do. The only reason is because I was just saving you. I know race was throwing oh, something at the radio. Race, race just got Josh Gad to laugh at one of his dumb photoshops. Race doesn't even wow. listen to this anymore. He's broken up with us. He's now hanging out with Olaf. So uh, congratulations, it's to summer. Race. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree completely. Going back to the topic again, Flores is zero and three and making the playoffs. Um, He's made just bad decisions, game clock management, uh, throwing challenge flags at improper times. And we kind of got into this off air. We wanted to save it for for the show. But look, if you're going to be a Bill Belichick type, if you're going to be the type that's going to be on your ass, demanding, yelling, uh, authoritative, a drill sergeant, you have to win. (laughs) And not just win because the coach can't play for you, but you can't make those mistakes yourself that you harp on that takes no talent, right? The fundamentals, the, men- the mental approach of things. When you're yourself just demanding this from the players, professional adult athletes, and then you yourself go out there as a professional coach and make mistake after mistake, like a benching a young Tua, like uh, not challenging or challenging when you're not supposed to, or you know, not managing your timeouts correctly or, or handling the benching of Jesse Davis or being stubborn when it comes to Liam Eikenberg. And the players see that. And they're like, if you're going to make these mistakes, they just stop listening, right? Like if you're going to come in, you're going to yell, you're going to scream and you're going to be demanding perfection and you yourself aren't that standard. Then the players who, again, are professional adult athletes, not college football players are going to say, what's happening here? We're all paid here. Do your job or get somebody else at will stop fucking yelling at me. And I think that's the point where it got to. Yeah, I mean, he, he like any coach, he had his favorites, right? I mean, there are certainly people on this team that I think you can count on, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball, were Brian Flores guys. I mean, Christian Wilkins, to me, seems like a Brian Flores guy. Jerome Baker seems like a Brian Flores guy. Jason McCourty, who came in this year. I mean, there's reports from Barry Jackson here, Chris, where, you know, Jason McCourty, who's been here less than a year, was held to a different standard than some of our veterans like Xavier Howard in terms of how they practiced the demands in terms of their perfection in practice and on game day with their techniques. He, he was lax on some guys and harder on others. Now, some of that's going to be personality. Some of that's going to be because a veteran earned it versus not. But at the same time, like you said, if you're Xavier Howard and you're seeing Jason McCourty uh, get preferential treatment because he's known coach flow for a long time and you're Xavier fucking Howard, aren't you going to be a little bit pissed off? I mean, aren't you going to be like, wait a minute here. I'm the best player you got on either side of the ball. And you're going to hold me to a different standard than this old guy just because he used to play with you up in Boston. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not having that. I'm going to tune you out. I'm not going to listen to this shit. This is why I'm demanding more money to play here every single year, because I'm not going to handle my, you know, I'm not going to deal with this shit. So there's a time and a place to go grab more power. If you're Brian Flores. And ultimately, if you read Barry Jackson's play uh, piece here today, it's very alarming how, much power Brian Flores had, even if it wasn't on paper. In fact, one of the things that came out of this article is that he was looking to officially get that power to basically completely minimize Chris Greer off to the side and just have this be the Brian Flores show, very similar to Nick Saban um, in, in, in years past in terms of wanting the entire structure to run through Brian Flores as opposed to the structure of a general manager and a coach and you know, kind of knowing your place and role within that structure. I can see why if you don't have the results on the field, that those personality conflicts that Brian Flores is apparently responsible for could lead to somebody being fired, even when they've had two 
consecutive winning seasons for a franchise that doesn't win a lot. I can see that. It seems, I mean, quite frankly, it's the whole thing seems fractured, Chris. It, it doesn't seem like we have a great owner. The general manager seems like he's a little bit of a pushover. He seems to want to please everyone else, which is good. But at the same time, when you are in complete control of the you know football operations, you have to grow a spine and you have to actually tell your head coach every now and then, no, I'm not going to bring that player in just because you like him. It's not best for the franchise. Chris Greer doesn't seem to do that. He seems to bend over backwards to please Brian Flores and everyone else in this organization. And then you have Brian Flores, who's taking complete advantage of that. No wonder we are where we are right now. They just the, the structure isn't working. The personalities are clashing and somebody had to go. And in this case, Stephen Ross chose for Brian Flores to go as opposed to Tua, Chris Greer, and everyone else. Well, he, I, hopefully he interviewed and talked to players because there's been an alarming amount of silence mm. from a lot of these guys. And uh, I got a lot of hits on Twitter yesterday with a tweet about something I mentioned on our previous episode of me catching in Charlotte. It reminded me last night, I actually rewound it, played it a couple times again. When I saw it live happen, Gasecki turned and like disgustingly, like almost threw the ball at Flores. Like, ew, here you go. Throw me the fucking football. I mean, there was a disdain behind it because there's a referee right in front of him. He clearly hand the ball off to, and he chose to throw it at his coach. Okay. They're, they haven't come out and said anything. I think Nick Needham with Robert Hunt commenting and then deleting um, Ferguson, the long snapper, um, Alexander, the DB's coach, Baker, I think, and Raekwon Davis are a couple of guys. Guys you mentioned are flow guys. Yeah. Meanwhile, nothing from Tua, who posts everything on Instagram, thanking him for his time. Nothing from Gasecki, nothing from Smythe, nothing from Duke Johnson, nothing from Parker, who liked the post on Instagram, by the way, that Flores was fired. Um, not subtle at all. And then Xavier Howard posted a very cryptic weird thing that could be just literally about anything about a music it's about video, video games when it comes to Xavier Howard. You yeah. never know exactly what he's, he's posting. But the no only one's office- come out and said, you know, no one else has come out and said, you know, this is terrible. I hate this. Now the national media has, which by the way, I love the people on Twitter claiming, you know, the national media said, Oh, they beat scrubs while we were doing it. And then we fire Brian Flores and I'm like, what? They, they won seven games. So it's like, you can't have your cake. You need to, but I get it. We're the national punching bag. We're used to it. Uh, it's an alarming amount of silence, Sam, coming from uh, Flores, now former players. Yeah, the, o- the only offensive guy that I saw that actually posted anything was Lynn Bowden Jr., who I forgot was even yeah. on the team. Uh, but he, even he, I mean, he just said, oh, good dude for sure. I mean, it wasn't an over alarming, like, you know, overwhelming amount of support. He was just like, yeah, he's a good dude. I appreciate you. And, and you know what? It doesn't even really matter whether the offensive guys liked him or not at this point. What's done is done. And Brian Flores is moving on probably to be like the next Chicago Bears head coach or something like that, which, you know, that personality for that franchise might make a lot of sense. But it wasn't going to work in Miami with these guys. It just wasn't. And like you said, you know, some of the guys that did come out, Jesse Davis is about the only guy I think that came out and said, you know, he, he gave, so. of course, Jesse Davis, he, 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 he made Jesse Davis millions of dollars to be really, really bad at his job. I mean, no wonder Jesse Davis loved him. Robert Hunt makes sense. I mean, this is like a two-star recruit who really didn't have a lot of options in football, uh, especially coming out of a very small school in college, yet Brian Flores took a flyer on him. So it makes sense that he would gravitate to Brian Flores because Brian Flores did give him his break. I mean, not everything that Brian Flores did here was bad. In fact, you can, can argue that Brian Flores is a pretty darn good coach in terms of maximizing the talent that's made available Absolutely. to him. 
The problem is, is that everyone's burning Chris Greer down for these personnel decisions when it's finally coming out that Brian Flores really, really was the guy who had final say on just about every personnel decision. Chris Greer had it on paper. Brian Flores had it in reality. So if people are mad at Chris Greer for certain draft picks like Tua over Herbert, turns out Brian Flores, it was okay with Tua Tungabailoa being drafted. He wasn't forced to, to, to draft him like some people had said with Stephen Ross. He said he was fine with that. Um, and take a look again, now that we know this, take a look at one of the biggest you know, red flags from the 2021 draft. A guy named Hunter Long, a tight end at a Boston college. A school that Chris, Chris Greer didn't go to. A school that Brian Flores did. Considering that Mike Gesicki and Brian Flores don't seem to have the greatest relationship and Mike Gesicki's about to be a free agent. Who do you think really made that pick for Hunter Long? Do you really think that was Chris Greer saying, I need a seventh tight end? No. That was Brian Flores saying, fuck you, Mike Gesicki. I'm going to draft another tight end from my school, and I'll just shove it down your throat. Think about what happened with Kenyon Drake. We haven't had a good running back since Kenyon Drake. Now, Kenyon Drake isn't Barry Sanders. He's not Walter Payton, but he was the most talented running back that we have had in Miami in the Brian Flores era. He pushed back to Brian Flores. And what happened? He got traded to the Cardinals for a fifth round pick. We then used that pick to draft, actually to trade to the San Francisco 49ers for Matt Breida. That was an absolute calculated move by Brian Flores. That's a very Bill Belichick type of move where I'm going to take the draft pick that I got for you and replace you with somebody else, anybody else. And I'm going to win with that guy because I'm going to shove it up your ass, Kenyon Drake. Matt Breida has been a failure ever since. But that was that was Brian Flores. That wasn't Chris Greer. And that's the type of stuff, this, this petty stuff, this personality clash stuff that Brian Flores brought to the Miami Dolphins. And even though the team is more talented than it was three years ago, and even though we've had two winning seasons at some point, you know, if you're not going to get to the playoffs and you're not going to get to the Super Bowl, people aren't going to put up with that shit. They're just not not within a professional corporation and organization there, Chris. And Stephen Ross is like, I don't know, 325 years old. He doesn't have that many more years to win a Super Bowl as the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And he's looking at this like, I'm not putting up with this shit. And he liked Chris Greer. He likes Tom Garfinkel. He likes all these other guys. And they're all saying, well, Brian Flores is the problem. Well, guess what? Brian Flores is gone. Now. Simple as that. Well, and, and not only that, but during a time in the NFL has extended the playoffs. <laughs> There's an extra spot now. And if you look at the AFC, it's tumultuous. Like, it's crazy. Like, the Patriots are able to lose to a divisional opponent, and they're still, like, with no worries. They still are in the playoffs. Like, the Bengals are in the playoffs easily. Um, he's looking at all these teams, and he's like, oh, okay, we're the Lions. We're the Browns. And like you said, he's 300 years old. He, he can't handle this. He can't stand with this. And if the guy's a dick, especially these guys a dick with the control and we're not having success, you just get rid of the dick. Like, that's it. Yeah. And there's a lot of great coaching candidates out there right now. A lot of young guys that uh, supposedly we have, you know, Dave, Brian Dayball. We've requested an interview. Also, uh, the offense coordinator for San Francisco 49ers. Mike McDaniel, um, yeah. McDaniel, uh, who is like a Shanahan, like right-hand man um, type deal. And, uh, you know, Peterson's a name out there as well, who won a Super Bowl, played for the Miami Dolphins with Dan Marino's backup. You know, there's names out there, so why not just do it now? There's plenty of, of guys, obviously, Greer, uh, calculated this because he immediately has these interviews lined up uh, and they're young, offensive, talented guys um, with some Dable um, uh, connection to Tua. He was his offense coordinator in 2017. So uh, a lot of good things to come, I think. Uh, it might be a breath of fresh air considering 
And now a lot of the players, honestly, might obviously don't want to piss off their current employer. So maybe that's why they're being quiet. But again, alarmingly silent. Maybe this is a good thing. I'm going to try to be positive with it. I liked Brian Flores. I, I When we hired him, I wanted him. When he came, he, he overachieved our tanking year. And uh, everyone was excited about it. So it was a weird and painful to see it happen. But look, we're, we're a fan of the logo on the hat, man. I'm not a fan of a – we said this with Tannehill. We said this with Tua, uh, now with Flores. And I mean, just if we move on, we got to root for the team. And I feel like it's going to be, to be okay. Yeah, we're, we're going to get into the coaching candidates here in uh, segment number three. We're also going to bring back a little bit of elite, elite action, elite tweet, delete tweet here in the second, because as you can imagine, Twitter, Dolphins oh, yeah. Twitter, just absolutely on fire in the last couple of days. But before we do that, let's just close the book here on Brian Flores. He's already got an interview for the Chicago Bears. Where do you think Brian Flores ultimately ends up? Does he become a head coach immediately here? I mean, is he employed before the Miami Dolphins have a new head coach in the NFL? Or does he go back to the Patriots as some sort of defensive coordinator, assistant head coach for Bill Belichick? He seems to bring back his people anytime they get fired. Uh, Or does he go another route, maybe go to college? I mean, I did speak to uh, some people in the know who said, you know what? Brian Flores would make an amazing college coach, given his personality and how he likes to handle people. Uh, where do you think Brian Flores ultimately ends up short-term and or long-term, Chris? He's going to be a head coach in the NFL. The fact he's taking a, a, an interview for the Bears uh, immediately means he's like, obviously he didn't agree with being let go. Um, I think with the national attention being that this was a surprise and that, that he was a good coach and is coming off two winning seasons, there's plenty of GMs and owners out there that are going to take a flyer on him. And I could see him being named, like you said, a head coach before we get one, which would be just, just peachy. Yeah. I think there's, there's, there's a short term. He's, he's going to be in the NFL. Um, I think he thinks he belongs there. Uh, I do wonder though, if long-term he does make more sense in the college ranks. I mean, you know, his personality and the way he likes to control everything. I mean, we talked about this off the air, the differences between Adam Gase and Brian Flores, the last two head coaches for the Miami Dolphins are absolutely completely, you know, polar opposites. I mean, Adam Gase did not give a shit about anything other than the small little amount of offensive work that he wanted to put in. He ignored the defense. I mean, we famously saw him towards the end of the season completely on the bench, just doodling, not even giving a shit about the defense. And then you have Brian Flores, who, according to Perry Jackson, was so involved with everything that he's demanding that the Miami Dolphins fire their social media manager last year, Matt Taylor. Um, I don't think Adam Gase even knew who the fuck Matt Taylor was. You know, he just he didn't know who Zach Taylor was and he was on his staff. But I mean, it's 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 one of those things where, like, I don't think. You could see, you know, uh, you could have more polar opposites in terms of head coaches with Brian Flores and Adam Gase. Brian Flores, I think, feels like he deserves to be the head coach in the NFL, and maybe he does. But I think long term in college, maybe at his alma mater, um, you know, imagine Brian Flores in Boston College and Bill Belichick, you know, in Foxborough, Massachusetts, and you got those two guys connected at the hip yet again up in the New England area. I could see him long term being a very successful college coach. Yeah, and just uh, like the guy that lost the national championship last night, Nick Saban, uh, I actually sent this story to my dad because we got in a little discussion today about him saying, of course, players are pussies these days. They're, um, you know, need to be coddled. They're weak. Um, And I said, is Zach Thomas a pussy? 
because in the early 2000s, he almost fought Nick Saban yeah. because he questioned his toughness. They're grown men. They're professional athletes. They're getting paid to do this with families in their 30s, some guys 40s. You can't come in there and talk to them like that. Where that works is at the college level, like you said, where there's 15 five-star guys on your team. If you don't want to fall in line, I'll play the next guy that's an incoming freshman and you can transfer to Tennessee. You know, there's just you they're younger, they're moldable. They are not being paid yet. Uh, technically, some are. Um, but even still, they're not professional adult athletes with years and decades of life experience. Um, and that's where you don't – that kind of stuff doesn't fit in the NFL. Look at look at the absolute facts, Sam. Gronk fake retired so mm-hmm. he can get the fuck out of New England because it wasn't fun. Yep. Football is a game, and it wasn't fun. And guess what? He was winning. But sometimes that's not everything. If you love the game of football, but you don't want to hear, you know, get your dick pushed in by a drill sergeant every day, you, there, there's a happy middle ground between the Adam Gase and the Brian Flores, like a Shanahan, like a Kingsbury, like a McVay that can be tough, but teaching. And also, you know, it's okay to celebrate instead of just like be stern all the time. Like you can have fun out there. And, and that's the kind of guys these players today want to play for. Yeah, although McVeigh uh, was celebrating with Cooper Cup in the second quarter against the 49ers in the end zone like a douchebag. And uh, <laughs> the you better win. Really. You better win if you're going to do that because you lost and let your rival into the playoffs and they've already beaten you twice this season and you're going to let that happen. So, I mean, Sean McVeigh, by the way, he's an annoying little pipsqueak uh, all his own. We've, we've talked about him before. The guy's the guy's the he's the one coach in the NFL that. I don't think is on the text message thread with the other 31. You know, they're just like, nah, nah, we'll just handle him separately. But oh, you, uh, don't mute, you don't mute the TV when those uh, awesome chunky soup commercials come on. Oh my God, they're like nails on the chalkboard, dude. I just want to step on that bug so, so badly. But uh, th- that being said, he did win the NFC West and he's in the playoffs. So I would, uh, I would happily change my tune if he came to Miami and had that success for the Miami Dolphins. But anyway, uh, let's take a break. Let's, uh, let's cleanse ourselves from the 2021 season and let's get ready for a little bit of elite tweet delete tweet action it is on fire ladies and gentlemen and then after that we're going to let you know who the next head coach for the miami dolphins is going to be i have a theory and i think my theory is right but we'll go we'll flesh that out and uh we'll be back right after these words the holiday season may be over and the miami dolphins season may be over but that doesn't mean you have to stop your shopping no you can still get everything you were always going to get at amazon.com But if you go to welcometoperfectville.com first and click on the Amazon link, you'll help out your favorite podcast for the Miami Dolphins. Keep the lights on. Because every time you click that link, a couple of extra dollars that you spend go back to this podcast. That's right. No extra fees. No hidden charges. Just your everyday Amazon ordering and shopping. But because you did that teeny tiny extra step, you help out Chris Cullen, you help out Sam Marku, and you help out Welcome to Perfectville. So every time you shop, go to welcometoperfectville.com, click the Amazon link, and get all your Miami Dolphins Amazon.com shopping done by way of welcometoperfectville.com. Thanks. Unless you didn't do it, then no thanks. And we're back. Welcome to Perfectville. Chris Cullen, Sam Marku, part of the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag, and we're doing it again. Your favorite, my favorite, everyone's favorite, elite tweet or delete tweet, Brian Flores, fired edition, Chris Cullen, the good doctor are you ready born ready my friend love this segment yeah this is uh, everybody's favorite segment and we're going to start with a favorite he is a miami dolphins fan he's a comedian he is your child's favorite actor of course i'm talking about josh gad aka olaf 
from the Frozen series on Disney, and this is what he says. He says, in the history of the Miami Dolphins, there have been some historically dumb and bad moves. The firing of Brian Flores is perhaps the single worst decision this organization has ever made. This is not only a desperate move, it's a pathetic one. Shame on everyone involved. Elite tweet or delete tweet? Josh Gad bringing the fire as the snowman. Uh, not to, I'm not, this, I, he is a, a great a fan, big time. Uh, so this isn't just like some celebrity, just like, I, I kind of like the Dolphins, I'm from Florida. Um, he knows his stuff, but it's no way this is the worst move in, in Dolphins history. Sam, you, you mentioned like three of Stephen Ross did just like beginning of uh, his tenure. I mean, like not getting a running game for Dan Marino, not getting a defense for Dan Marino, um, getting they just there's so many. I don't know if it's the worst in history, but I mean, come on. Bringing in Jay Fiedler, all the different draft picks we've made, passing on Earl Thomas, passing on TJ Watt, who leads the, like, tied the NFL sack record for Charles Harris, not drafting Gronk. I mean, just, there's just so many different things. There's no way uh, that was the worst in history. No, this is a delete tweet. Josh, we love you. We'd love to have you on the show one day, but this is not the worst thing the Miami Dolphins have ever done. Uh, This is recency biased at its finest here. I can think of at least like five things right off the top of my head, Chris, that are severely worse than this. First and foremost, have we forgotten Bullygate? Have we forgotten the fact that we, (laughs) we bullied a guy by we, I mean, Miami Dolphins players bullied a guy on the team to the point where he had a mental breakdown and, almost eventually threatened people with a shotgun. I mean, the guy who was involved beat the shit out of his own Corvette with a crowbar, like a scene out of the Big Lebowski. I mean, I think that was probably worse than this. I mean, we had a GM ask a wide receiver whether or not his mom was a prostitute. That is worse than this. We chose Dante fucking Culpepper over Drew fucking Breeze. That is was worse than this. We chose Cam Cameron and his family to run the Miami Dolphins because the Chargers were good and he happened to stand on the sidelines with their logo on his chest. That was worse than anything that's happening right now in terms of firing Brian Flores. Josh, we love you, but that's a delete tweet. This is not the worst thing the Miami Dolphins. There's plenty of worse things that the Miami Dolphins have done. We wasted the careers of Dan Marino, Zach Thomas, and Jason Taylor. and But that's the worst thing. Brian Flores, who didn't even go to a playoff game. Um, eh, there's plenty of coordinators out there, Josh. It, it'll be okay, buddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on. This actually comes from Uzi1112, at Uzi1112. And this is actually a response to you, Chris. He says, uh, heard you on three yards per carry. I liked Flores, but never heard about Greer and Tua not speaking to each other among the numerous things you dropped today. I know you have sources you need to protect, but damn, how come you never shared these with us? This is why we listen for inside info. Elite tweet or delete tweet, Chris, you appearing on three yards per carry. Yeah, never been on that show <laughs> uh, at all. I've interacted with those gentlemen on message boards uh, 15 years ago. Shout out to section one through six. Um, but yeah, no, that was not me. My only source is I know Travis. It, it, 
uh, over the air. I've literally not even met him in person, and he's not a source at all for me. <laughs> like we we vent, and that's about it, or t- chat about family. So no sources, and I did not drop anything but deuces yesterday. So uh, sorry, would join the show probably, uh, but if you're listening, welcome to Perfect Bill for insight. <laughs> And inside stuff, we are the wrong show. Hey, I don't know. We uh, we dropped that news about Jarvis Landry all those years ago, but of course, that was just an educated guess more than anything. But uh, I will say this: it's an elite tweet, just because the guy was so like, hell yeah! I listen to Chris on three yards per carry. Why don't you share more inside info? And it wasn't you at all. I I wonder who he thought you were. Like you know, that's what I like. Chris Kaufman, right? It had to be. Yeah, that that's had to be what it is. Was he on the NFL Network one time, and the guy like? Shit all over him. Yeah, Paul Burmeister was uh, was kind of a dick to, to Chris Coffin. I remember that. All right, uh, moving on. This is actually a double tweet because um, it was a response. OJ McDuffie. Yes, that OJ McDuffie. Uh, talking to myself as well as another guy named Jason Sarney. But he says, I see nothing wrong with Flo's messages. Do your job or you won't have one, period. Now, this is in uh, response to... Uh, the personality conflicts coming out from Brian Flores and how he treated his players, apparently a little bit too harsh on some of the players, according to some people and OJ McDuffie is saying he's got, he sees nothing wrong with that. Now I asked juice, do you think that today's athletes are soft and maybe a little bit too pampered? And this is getting blown out of proportion. And his response was, I definitely feel that way. I couldn't coach in today's environment. You need tough coaching to get more out of players than they would otherwise get from themselves, like lifting weights with or without a spotter. So elite tweets or delete tweets from OJ McDuffie saying nothing wrong with the way Brian Flores treated the players. His players are just soft. This is, this is tough because I played in the late nineties, early two thousands. And yeah, I had coaches grab my face mask and scream or chewing tobaccos in my eye uh, was told to uh, run. So you're not thirsty anymore. Uh, rub some dirt, dirt on it. When you um, rang your bell, which was, you know, obviously CTE, early sense of CTE and concussions back then, but you played through it. Um, but there's nothing wrong with progressing. Like, why do you have to be that guy that's just an asshole 24-7 that has to yell? There's better ways and ways these days where you can teach um, and still be a good football coach without being like, oh, give me 20 push-ups, fucking pussy like punch a hole in the wall like look at the successful coaches right now that are in the playoffs you're looking at zach taylor you're looking at a a kingsbury mcbay shanahan all these guys are younger um deep thinking progressively this is the same thing as saying like you can't run a spread offense or you know running quarterbacks don't belong in the nfl grow up peter pan like move on this screams of old man yelling at cloud back in my day, you know, no one would do that to Don Shula. Okay, cool. Great. He also didn't loop, you know, not go to the playoffs. <laughs> like he went to the playoffs, like he won, he was successful. So are they soft today? Maybe, or maybe they just realize there's different and better ways to do everything. Um, and it's just a different world. It's a different world all around, not just football, but everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm i going to say elite because I like OJ McTuffin. You know, he, he comes from that generation of players in the 90s that was probably 
that last generation that did exactly what you talked about, rub dirt on it, get your bell rung, get back up, get back in there, you know, man stuff. We don't see that too much anymore. So I can understand somebody like him or your father, like you were alluding to a little bit earlier, looking at today's player, today's type of athlete and saying they're pampered, they're soft. They don't do what we did in the past. And that's true. We don't, you know, maybe we've learned that that's not the right way to do it, but they're also paid a lot more money. Like, I mean, honestly, think about it. You're not going to go to a CEO's office and call him a fucking pussy. You know, he's like, fuck you, dude. I make millions of dollars. I'm good enough to make millions of dollars and do what I do. You can't talk shit to me. Like, honestly, you can't. And they, the power scale has swung a little bit. I mean, OJ made money. I'm not saying he didn't, but I mean, they're making ridiculous money now. And I think you can ag- agree. And even twofold back into the 70s, guys, those guys smoked cigarettes after games and went to work in the offseason, like as plumbers. So, yeah, you, you didn't talk shit to that guy. He's providing for his fucking family. Like this is different. They, they are pampered. They're, they're, they're rich now. Like that's just fucking the world we live in. Larry Zonka ran for three touchdowns and then pumped your, uh, your, your car full of gas after the game. I mean, that was man shit right there. All right. This one comes from at Perfectville pod. That's me, Chris. And I said, this actually comes from October. The Miami dolphins are going to fire Brian Flores before the end of this season. And rightfully so elite tweet or delete tweet. Delete to me because it happened after the season, you fucking schmuck. Uh, well, no. I was I was considering the postseason as well. There, Chris. I mean, okay. Uh, well, so then elite think... tweet because there you go. But never mind. Breaking news, inside stuff. Back in before Halloween, we knew this was going to happen. Uh, total overreaction. We thought by your part, but nope, completely true. Brian Flores, future Bears head coach because he's not a Miami Dolphin coach, and Sam fucking called it. And I love how you said that's me controlling the. Perfectville pod. That way I can get no credit for that at all. It's clearly Sam. (laughs) I mean, with all the misspellings, everyone I think knows that it's me anyway. Uh, Furthermore, if Brian Flores does become the head coach of the Chicago Bears, Jakeem Grant's just got to be throwing his little fit, you know, little tiny arms, little legs, just throwing and punching at the air, right? Just like, son of a bitch, I just got away from this guy, made the Pro Bowl, and here he's going to come and step on me as well. Um, Elite tweet, because I had it right. I was right about Jarvis Landry, and I was right about Brian Flores being... uh, let go. All right. This one comes from Sean Michael, not Sean Michaels, the wrestler, but at S Henry seven, seven, three, zero. And he tweeted this before the Dolphins Patriots game. X needs one interception to surpass Will Fuller and catches this season. Go get it. Young man. Hashtag true story. Hashtag fins up elite tweet or delete tweet. elite tweet, elite tweet. Absolutely. He, he got it. And it was a touchdown. He has more receptions and more touchdowns than $10 million. Will Fuller. Uh, I can see why X held out for a little bit more money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, at this point, can we just like sign Will Fuller's check over to Xavier Howard and say, look, here's the extra money that you wanted. We're just going to go ahead and give you the $10 million that Will Fuller was supposed to get. Uh, absolutely an elite tweet. I mean, the fact that he completely called this and then in the first quarter, X went out. I feel like X saw this Strive. and was like, yeah. I'm going to go do it. I mean, that was amazing. What an amazing, you know, good timing, good everything. Good on you, Sean. The Miami Dolphins are so good for the weirdest fucking records. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, moving on, this comes from Big Cat, aka at Barstool Big Cat. With the Dolphins' victory today, again, this is after the Patriots game, they complete the season with the weirdest stat of all time. The Miami Dolphins are 9-0 and against teams with QBs who have an O in their last name. Mac Jones, Terod Taylor, Lamar Jackson, Joe Flacco, Cam Newton, Mike Lennon, Zach Wilson, Ian Book, and Mac Jones again. But 0-8 against teams with QBs who don't have an O in their last name. Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Tom Brady, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen, and Ryan Tannehill. 
Doesn't Josh have an O in it? Not in his last name. Last name. Okay. Yeah. So nine and O against quarterbacks that have an O in their last name. O and eight against quarterbacks that don't have an O in their last name. Uh, elite tweet or delete tweet? That is an amazing stat. I don't think I would have ever put together. No, well, because you're not a nerd. So um, obviously, like the biggest geek in fucking history broke this down. Um, Actually, it's really funny because I thought about it after I saw that tweet. And even if Flacco didn't start, um, Zach Wilson did. And he has an O in his name, too. Um, So, yeah, um, completely um, delete because you're a nerd. Like, honestly, like I said that on Twitter you have to be just completely in your basement in between D&D sessions and being like, oh, I wonder what the names are for the starting quarterback that played. Crazy stat, you're right. Completely weird and crazy. Um, but delete it because you're a fucking nerd. <laughs> I'm going to go elite. Yes, I, just, I, I like that weird shit. And I like that I didn't have to do the research. You're right there. Somebody else did it for me. But I, uh, I get to bask in the glory of it. All right, last one here, Chris. Uh, and I like this one. This, this person doesn't have a name, but their handle is at Miami underscore RY. This has to be the worst victory Monday in NFL history. <laughs> you go nine and eight, you beat the Patriots, you sweep them for the first time in 20 years, and uh, the coach gets fired on Black Black Monday. Elite tweet, delete tweet. Uh, elite tweet, because he's right. Like, I mean, it's just only the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think somebody did the stat. One team in the last, like, 20 years or something had two winning seasons back-to-back without going to the playoffs. And that was in 2001, 2002. And that was, again, the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> like, we're the dumbest team. Like, we have picked, Sam, the dumbest team to root for. And I think it's your fault. So all your other professional teams uh, win championships. And I think the, it's tilting the scale to where at least one of your team has to suffer. And it's the Miami Dolphins. So uh, blame you. Elite tweet by Dolph- Miami Rye. And uh, horrible. Yeah, we lose your coach. We sweep New England to go four and two in our division. If, some, if someone told us we'd have nine, oh, nine or eight, more than eight wins, four and two in the division, and not, no losses to New England, so that means we win the last week of the year, 99% of Miami Dolphins fans would say, we're going to the playoffs. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. I mean, just, and then we didn't. And only the Dolphins can do that kind of shit. I mean, we're, we're, we're the team that goes 11 and five and misses the playoffs. We're the team that goes 10 and six and misses the playoffs. We're the team that goes four and two in the division, beating the Patriots twice and not making the playoffs. I mean, we, we figure out new and creative ways to be bad and mediocre. Um, and because of that, that's why it is the worst victory Monday in the history of victory Monday. So elite tweet there. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, elite tweet, delete tweet, Brian Flores fired edition um, and speaking of which, we're going to come back and we're going to start ranking the candidates here. We uh, we got a couple names trickling in for the Miami Dolphins. They're going to start, you know, at least trying to interview some people out there. Uh, we're going to talk about what we want out of a, a head coach candidate and uh, who we think will get the job. We'll be back right after this word. You've been to patchvibes.com yet? What? You haven't? Why not? Everyone knows PatchVibes.com has the greatest Miami Dolphins swag, gear, patches, mugs, everything you can possibly want of any website ever. So what the hell are you doing? Why haven't you been there? Go there now. Stop what you're doing. Pause this podcast. Go to PatchVibes.com right now and go get yourself some nice Miami Dolphins gear. Shirts, tank tops, hats, patches, stickers, anything and everything you or anybody else in your family that's a Miami Dolphins fan could possibly want is at PatchVibes.com. So go there. And then come back and finish the show. You're welcome. 
And we're back. Segment number three, Brian Flores, no longer the head coach for the Miami Dolphins edition of Welcome to Perfectville. Sam Marcoux, Chris Cullen, part of the Believe Podcast Network presented by betonline.ag. And it's time, Chris. We've talked about why Brian Flores is fired. We talked about the fan reactions on Twitter and Elite Tweet and Elite Tweet about Brian Flores being fired. He's no longer here. So it's time to move forward. It's time to move on and take a look at who could possibly be the coach for the Miami Dolphins in 2022 and beyond. Let's start taking a look at some of the candidates here, Chris. But before we start name dropping, I'd like to hear from you. What is it that you're looking for from a, a head coach candidate for the Miami Dolphins here in 2022? What is it that you need from a head coach? And what is it that you would look to avoid if you're doing the head coach search, if you are in charge of it? Um, I'm at the point now where get the, get the right guy. And it sounds so cliche and vague. But um, I, I don't know what that looks like. Does that mean somebody with experience uh, as a head coach or if it's a young, uh, innovative guy? What I want, and me and Jason were talking about this, Sam, and I was waiting to sp- specifically bring this up to you. Um, in our lifetime, and this is counting Marino because just think of our age, you a little bit older than me, but still I think you, you can agree. We've never seen a prolific offense, like consistently where we're just like four or 500 yards, the end of the Marino years, maybe count. I was so young. So Marino retired. I was 12. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't remember being seven, eight years old. Maybe I remember seeing a highlight, but like after that, Ricky Williams, like was a good running back, but we still were losing because we had no quarterback play. When's the last time we had a greatest show on turf offense where like the, the other team has to score 40 points. Like, I just want a crazy, awesome offense. Like I really do. And th- to, to do that, you need to get a guy that's not stuck in, stuck in the ways of like, Oh, run twice and play action opens up the underneath slant. Like, no, be crazy, be innovative, be different. Um, and, and completely come in here. And I want someone fun, Sam, someone positive. Flores was such a leech, a sucker of life. Like, I know that's not like a, does it make you a great head coach, but I want a guy that's going to like fucking cheer and like, have fun on the sidelines, be funny at press conferences. We don't need a fucking comedian, but like, you know, somebody that's like personable and it's fun to listen to, like listening to him talk. Like I just wanted to go to sleep. We're just like, uh, we'll go day to day. Uh, it's going to be Tua and uh reset will be the backup. Yeah. I said, it'll be day to day. It'll be day to day. And it's just like moving on to the next game. It's, it's Bilicek. It's like it, just get, I'm done with this. Like I want somebody fun. That's me. Hey, Good game, huh? That was pretty sweet. You know, it's just, you go, hey, it's cool to listen to this guy. Yeah, to your point, maybe 1992, the early 90s Miami Dolphins teams are probably the last time that we were prolific throughout the entire season. I think we went 11 and five. We won the AFC East that year. We ended up actually getting to the AFC championship game, if I'm not mistaken, and losing to the Buffalo Bills, um, which was a blessing in disguise because we would have been destroyed in the Super Bowl that year. But uh, that was probably the last time that we had, you know, Mark Clayton was still there. I don't know if Mark Duper was, but, you know, Dan Marino was out firing the ball around. The only other time in in more modern times that I can think of was about half a season with Jay Fiedler at quarterback um, in the mid 2000s, early 2000s, where I think at one point we were like eight and one or something along those lines. And we had the number one offense and the number one defense. Uh, after the Denver Broncos game, but Jay Fiedler got hurt 
and Ray Lucas had to come in and we all thought we were fine. And it turns out he was the worst quarterback I've ever seen in my life play. And it just completely derailed that season. We didn't even make the playoffs that year. Is that, um, the, uh, is that the game where Chambers got the concussion against the Broncos? Yes. Yep, so that was... funny story that it's been that long, Sam, I was watching that game for my fucking video store. Yeah. Like, I, for, like where you rent, not Blockbuster, like a mom and pop video store where they had like the WrestleManias on VHS in the big gigantic cases. Like that's how long ago that was, but I do remember it. And this is what I'm, what I'm talking about is where we actually remember it. We're there. It's like memories. I can remember what I had for dinner that maybe, you know, we went out that weekend like that. It's been that long. Yeah, I mean, I remember that game because it was on my birthday, and it came down to uh, Jason Elam and Alindo Mari at the game. end of the game, and it was a fantastic game. And that was that was like the last that was the last time I was happy as a Miami Dolphins fan was that game. Uh, it's been that long, but uh, to your point, it sounds like you're leaning towards somebody who has an offensive minded coach, yes. somebody who's more of a player coach, but can also teach and be disciplined. Um, you know, we 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 had an offensive minded coach in Adam Gase, but he was not a players coach. He was he was anything but. He's a dick. Yeah, Brian Flores was a defensive-minded coach, brought a lot of talent in along with Chris Greer, but seems to be kind of a dick and uh, didn't really know what to do on offense. I mean, that was that was a huge thing. I mean, the guy just did not know how to put an offensive game plan together. He didn't know how to put a staff together on, off, on offense. We're constantly, you know, changing offensive coordinators and offensive linemen. There well, I mean, just... like, think about it, Sam. In three years with Brian Flores, who were who we offensively? Did we have an identity? No. Like, I, I, there, none, right? There's just, I, you have no idea what's going on. I was thinking about this. I mean, the Miami Dolphins offense over the last three years with Brian Flores is kind of like that puzzle piece that sort of fits, but you don't know if it's actually supposed to be in that spot until you start building more things around it and go, that piece is in the wrong place. And unfortunately, that piece was in the wrong place. We could never find the exact right fit in the Brian Flores offense in terms of the puzzle piece. And uh, ultimately... You know, the results speak for themselves. We didn't have a kick-ass offense. We had an offense that was middle of the road at best. We relied on a very good turnover-heavy defense uh, and maybe some dumb luck and trickeration to win some games that we otherwise wouldn't have won. I mean, I go back to that Raider game last year where, you know, if it wasn't for a face mask and a miracle throw by Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, we lose that game as well. So uh, that's, to me, just a, just a huge part. You need somebody who can understand how the offense works together. You don't need a specialist like a QB, QB whisperer like Adam Gase. You don't need somebody who's just good at the offensive line. You need somebody who understands modern-day offenses and can employ that system with the talent that's already there. I mean, I'd like to see somebody come in and go, I could totally win a Tua Tonga Bailoa. Uh, somebody who can come in and go, Jalen Waddle, absolutely. 104 catches. That's great. I can get him 115 next year. Uh, why don't you guys have a running back that I can utilize? We're going to go get a running back this off season. I mean, somebody who just kind of gets that, you know, but I've got a theory here, Chris. So I'm going to, I'm going to lay this theory out. I put this on Twitter, but I have a theory. The Miami dolphins need a fat guy for their head coach. Hmm. They need a big fat whale of a head coach to sit on the sidelines and win championships. Think about it. Andy Reed. Humongous fat guy, Super Bowl champion. Mike Holmgren, big fat walrus, Super Bowl champion. John Madden, big fatso, the original fatso, Super Bowl champion, possibly considered the most iconic head coach of all time. I mean, the list goes on and on. Bill Parcells, humongously fat. Looks like a melting ice cream cone of skin underneath that disgusting shirt. He's won Super Bowls. Fat guys are the answer here, Chris. You know why? Because fat guys 
don't spend time exercising. Fat guys don't spend time shopping at Whole Foods, getting Brussels sprouts and broccoli. Fuck that. Fat guys use DoorDash and watch film all damn day. They're not concerned about their body. They're concerned about other people's bodies. And that's what we need. We need a big fat. So that's not going to leave the facility. It's just going to sit in his disgusting throne of a head coach chair and watch tape, study tape, come up with creative you know, offensive formations because they drip special sauce from their disgusting burger all over the playbook. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I could put my wide receiver right there. Think about this. Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is a fat guy and people don't give him enough credit for being a fat guy. But do you think he wears those hoodies because he's got a six pack under there? No, he's got a six pack of beer under there. That's why he wears those hoodies. It's to cover up his disgustingness of a human person. And he's the most successful head coach of all time. Fat guys, Chris, I need fat guys. Give me a fat guy head coach. My son Sunday, and this is not a joke, this literally happened, asked if Bill Belichick was wearing a bra. If you go back and look, it looks like a bra underneath, and I think he just was in layers. Uh, but absolutely, Sam, I'm with you 100%. Because think about it. If you're a former athlete or, like, a guy that runs a 5K after a fucking uh, a practice, you, can, you're, you get stuck in your head saying, here's how you do it on the field, because I did it on the field. No, we need a guy that's never done it, that's, like, can't play, that's not an athlete, because it's all here. It's all mental. Remember the nerd from Little Giants, annexation of Puerto Rico? That's he's right. He's a geek. He never played football in his life, but he's a fucking football genius because yeah. he had to use his brain. Fat guys it is. Andy Reid's like, go choose, you know, and they eat ribs with the team. Like, they fucking love that guy. That's the genius part of it. And shout out to the guy on Twitter. We'll have to retweet it uh, that said, uh, let's look at Brian Dable because uh, he had, quote, put in tits. Uh, <laughs> the greatest at putting – Pudding tits, yeah, pudding tits, and uh, that was the greatest comment I saw on Twitter this week. Listen, listen, Andy Reid took the Kansas City Chiefs job because he thought it was Kansas City cheese. He was like, "Yes, I want that job. I want to, I want to eat cheese." It come with barbecue. And then it turned out it was actually another head coaching gig. He didn't know, but he's that successful as a fat head coach. That's what I want. And somebody else brought this up here, Chris. Tony Sperano was the last fat coach that the Miami Dolphins had. And you know what? That was the last time the Miami Dolphins won the AFC East was fat Tony Sperano. The only exercise that guy had was fist pumping after field goals. That's the only calories that he was burning. And you know what happened? He lost a bunch of weight in the offseason. And what happened? The bottom fucking fell out and we weren't successful. Skinny Tony Sperano got himself fired. Fat Tony Sperano won the AFC East. I'm telling you, man, fat head coach. That's what the Miami Dolphins need. So Brian Dayball, he's a fat guy. That guy enjoys himself some barbecue. He's been eating the buffalo wings up there with the Bills. He's a head coaching candidate. I like it because he's fat. Eric Bieniemy, he's a running back, a former running back, and he's about the size of a house. That intrigues me. He knows the offense, and he's the fattest guy. He's been learning from Andy Reid. Eric Bieniemy has. That guy's over there like, yeah, yo, Andy, don't just hog the mayonnaise. Hand it over here. And then I'm going to figure out how to make Patrick Mahomes a superstar. Eric Bieniemy, fat guy. I hope we interview him. That's a guy that I want. Doug Peterson doesn't look fat, but you got to remember, this guy was a quarterback, and he loves himself some ice cream. I can see Doug Peterson becoming a big, fat guy if he were to be the Miami Dolphins head coach. And plus, bonus, he has a lot of experience with the RPO offense, which is what Tua Tungailoa excels at. So I think Doug Peterson, secret fat guy with a lot of Miami Dolphins ties for, for, for us, could possibly be a sneaky dark horse candidate for the Miami Dolphins. Here's what's concerning. The Miami Dolphins are going to interview Brian Dayball. They put into interview by Mike McDaniels, who is the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Mike McDaniels, very skinny. That not concerns fat. me. Yeah. He's not fat. 
I think you want skinny assistants, right? Skinny, bald assistants, fat, hairy head coach. That's what you want. That, that's the formula to success for the Miami Dolphins in 2022 and beyond. But Mike McDaniel is an interesting one here because you'd, you'd alluded to him a little bit earlier, Chris. We actually interviewed wait, him. Wait, how do, you, how do you just casually go from like like grade, grading the fatness of coach candidates to so easily just like actually get into some experience of Mike McDaniel casually? Like we're not going to talk about that. You said that Bill Parcells looks like melting ice cream yeah. and that you literally seriously, without even a laughter behind it, said, uh, the enemy was a running back now super fat that intrigues me it this does. is the inside shit we're getting from the podcast here guys but here's, this here, is why here's, you don't pay to listen to this here's why it's intriguing eric the enemy because he is a big fat guy but he's a former running back he knows how to run he just doesn't have time for he's it done. because he's coaching and eating that's the kind of dedication i want from a head coach for the miami dolphins i don't want a skinny dork named adam gaze who's sitting there doodling you know etch a sketch on the sidelines while the defense is hemorrhaging points out there i don't want brian flores looking like he's going to fight the cincinnati Bengals like some sort of fucking warlord no i want a big fat guy who's not gonna move who's gonna look and go oh yeah they hit our guy illegally oh shakeem grant i don't give a shit i eat (laughs) i take shits larger than him let's move on we have the ball to 30 how do we get a touchdown that's what i need a big fat offensive minded coach chris that's what i need I need a mute button that I can slap. <laughs> oh, so yeah, Mike McDaniel. <laughs> Mike McDaniel, skinny guy, skinny little fuck, kind of a twerp. But we we actually interviewed. <laughs> this is how ridiculous Brian Flores was. I mean, just put this in perspective. We interviewed. We requested to interview Mike McDaniel last year for the co-offensive coordinator position, <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm going to stick in San Francisco." <laughs> What kind of fucking horse shit is that? I, I think I can do this myself. Thanks. <laughs> like it's been done for history. I don't. I don't, I don't need an assistant. I. Uh, I I'll be. I'll be fine with Debo Samuel. So we're just... the worst franchise in history. Like we're the dumbest franchise. I hate it. But, but here's here's what I do see. I see the Miami Dolphins looking and targeting offensive minded coaches. To your point, right? Mike McDaniel, offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, playoff team. Brian Dayball, offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, AFC East champs, playoff teams, back to back years. Uh, had great development when it came to Josh Allen. Now he didn't make Josh Allen have a rocket arm, but he did kind of figure out how. Hey, Josh Allen, maybe you should throw to your receivers and not the you know the kid in the fourth row of the of the stadium. So I, I think Brian Dayball is an intriguing candidate. I would. Would like to see Eric Bieniemy. All joking aside, uh, get an opportunity. I mean, people forget he was the running backs coach for Adrian Peterson back when Adrian Peterson was running for you know ungodly like numbers for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning head coach, former quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. He does have some ties here, very close to Don Shula, very close to Dan Marino. I think there's a little bit of a homecoming story there that we could lean on as well and get some. Uh, get some people excited. He's got head coaching experience, which I actually kind of want as well. I want somebody who's done it before that's had success before Doug Peterson fits that bill. Uh, and like I said, he, he, he runs the RPO offense, which Tua Tungvaluwa excels at. I think that could be kind of interesting as well. And then nobody's saying it because Stephen Ross came out and basically lied to everyone saying, no, no, I'm not going to be the guy to take Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, I think is still in play. Jim Harbaugh is looking for a jump back to the NFL. Jim Harbaugh had a lot of success with the San Francisco 49ers. He's had success with the University of Michigan. He's a good coach. He can talk to young players. He can talk to professionals. He was a professional. I still think Jim Harbaugh is somebody who would take the phone call should Stephen Ross pick up and call. 
well, especially Michigan, balking on any kind of an extension. I mean, he took a pay cut, stayed, beat Ohio State, and went to the college football playoff. Uh, like someone said, is that the ceiling at Michigan? You know, has he done all he can do? Are they going to really win the national championship competing with these SEC teams and in recruiting and now NII builds? I, I, I don't know. And if that's the case, he uh, missed out on that Super Bowl uh, very closely, almost got that Super Bowl. And um, he might want to try again. And what's better than to go to the Miami Dolphins in Miami, no state taxes, full support from an owner that's literally an alum of Michigan that loves the guy. I could see it. And I, it's all about will he want to work with Tua or is he going to want his own guy? Who knows? He's got a history of not having great quarterbacks at Michigan and making it work. Uh, so definitely intriguing. And that's why I also think it was easy for uh, Ross and Greer to make this move now. There's a ton of really good candidates. Uh, can't, you can find something good about every single one you've mentioned. Yeah, and you think about Jim Harbaugh and what he did for the San Francisco 49ers with Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith as his quarterbacks. I mean, you talk about the RPO and making it work with that type of skill set. I think he could make that work with Tua if he so chooses. But I think if Jim Harbaugh comes to Miami, Stephen Ross is absolutely going to let him do whatever he wants to do in terms of the quarterback position, and we're just going to try to support that. But even the storyline is intriguing, Chris, because next year the Miami Dolphins play the Baltimore Ravens, where John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's brother, is playing or coaching. And we also go to San Francisco and play his former team that he coached. So there's a lot of good intriguing storylines for primetime type matchups if Jim Harbaugh were to cut bait with Michigan and come to the Miami Dolphins. And here's the thing that I can't understand here. I get what Stephen Ross is talking about being a Michigan alum, but if Jim Harbaugh is going to bail anyways, if you're Steven Ross, are you really going to let him go to the Las Vegas Raiders? Are you really going to go let him interview with the Denver Broncos? Or are you going to say, well, shit, if he's leaving Michigan anyways, I might as well wield my power, open up the pay, you know, the, the, the paycheck and give Jim Harbaugh whatever he wants and keep him within my little kingdom here of Michigan, Miami. I don't understand why he wouldn't do that. I know it's out of respect to Michigan, but if he's leaving anyway, why not? He would. He 100% would. That's all He's lying. facetious. Agreed. Fugazi, Fugazi, fairy dust. He would call him immediately. Somebody did a timeline that's pretty interesting, Sam. Michigan plays in the Orange Bowl in Miami. Week later, Brian Flores is fired. Mm. <laughs> Conversations might happen. Who knows? And honestly, with the Rooney rule and everything like that, there's no way they're going to jump right into to Jim Harbaugh because that would look bad. Uh, uh, obviously, and it's, it's against the unwritten rules of the road or the written rules of the road. They're going to have to interview some minority candidates. Um, might as well interview some possible offensive coordinators as well that are, you know, coming up to possible head coach. One interesting thing I saw on Twitter that I liked, uh, I actually think it was from, uh, <laughs> from um, <clears throat> um, British dude from three yards per carry assignment. Simon. Uh, he, yeah. A good guy. A, f- a friend of the show. Sorry, Simon. And um, said, if we get Dave Bowl, it, we, we get a head coach. It hurts a rival, and he possibly brings Ken Dorsey. Uh, Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator, which hurts a rival and helps us too. Miami quarterback, former Miami quarterback Ken Dorsey. So, uh, Hurricanes, by the way. Uh, but yeah, there's tons of intrigue, and again, it's going to be good for us, Sam, uh, for our podcast and and for everything because we're just entertaining. Again, as always, good and bad. I, I am intrigued too. I'm wondering, you know, it, should these interviews come to pass with Mike McDaniel, Brian Dayball, and other offensive minds? Is the line of questioning along of what would you do to make this offense, you know, a well-oiled machine? We have Jalen Waddle, we have Devontae Parker. We're looking to re-sign Mike Kosicki. Um, tons of cap space. Tons of cap space. What would Draft you do things. in your mind's eye 
if you were the head coach and you were in control of this offense, how do you make it run like the Chiefs, like the Chargers, like these other offensive juggernauts right now? And starting to get that information from these offensive minds, the current offensive geniuses here in the NFL, and seeing what the consensus is. If most of them go, hey, we can make Tua, you know, make him take the next step, or we really don't see Tua. We think we need to go replace him because here's what we're seeing on tape. And if you see enough of that through the interview process, does it change your mindset as to, well, look, all these offensive minds are saying Tua isn't the guy. We're going to have to cut bait and go somewhere else. Or are they saying, absolutely, we can make this guy work. You don't need to force it down our throat. We're excited to work with Tua and see what we can do. And then all of a sudden you're going, okay, we have the right pieces. We just need to have the right coach you know, bring the rest of that out of him in terms of Tua, Jalen Waddle, and everyone else. I'm not sure. But um, last thing here, Chris, unless you have anything else you want to talk about, who do you think becomes the head coach for the Miami Dolphins? Gun to your head. The process is just starting, but we're going to, you know, this will be on record forever. Who do you think ultimately comes out as the top candidate for the Miami Dolphins and gets the job? Brian Dable. I'm going to just say it's going to be him. He coached Tua in college. Um, if it's true that Greer and Ross said, Hey, we're team Tua, we, we, we uh, put it way too much capital in this guy to just quit now. Um, he's a division rival that's been kicking our absolute ass. And I can see Greer and Ross saying, we want a little piece of that pie. Come show us how you, we beat the bills and you're going to be the guy to do it. He coached already with us, uh, for a year as an offensive coordinator. Uh, the only thing he has not done as a head coach, which I don't know if I love, um, but if he brings enough guys around with him, he's been around the league. Um, I, I can see it being Brian Dable. Gun to my head. Brian Dable, offensive-minded coach like you talked about. Big fat guy like I talked about. So he does seem to be a prime candidate for the Welcome to Perfectville crew Put to tits. take over with his pudding tits. Uh, and you know what? If you shaved your head, you look a little bit, without the pudding tits, of course, you look a little bit like Brian Dable. He's got the gray beard, just like you do. I could see you. you possibly coming in with a shaved head and, uh, you know, being a co-offensive coordinator for Brian yeah, Dable. But, uh, no, I, uh, once I got like weird moles up there and stuff like, no, the hair needs to stay. Oh, did you really? Oh, well, good thing you got hair then. Yeah, that's weird. Um, but no, but, but Brian, Brian Dable, I think he, he actually betonline.ag has the money is on Brian Dable being the next head coach for the Miami Dolphins. So how about that for a plug for our sponsor? Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Jim Harbaugh. I'm going to throw it out there. I think there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke happening right now. And I think Stephen Ross, you know, he, he's very much aware of what the Miami Dolphins franchise looks like in the national media and the local sports scene, I think he's looking to make a splash. Remember, this guy flew across the country and met across the street from where I was living at the time with Jim Harbaugh to try to convince him to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins when we already had a freaking head coach here in Tony Sperano. Stephen Ross is not above lying to the public to try to you know hide his thoughts. I think it's going to be Jim Harbaugh. There's just too much going on for Jim Harbaugh not to be a prime candidate for the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion. So you got Brian Dayball. I think, you know, maybe we can get Jim Harbaugh to eat a couple of sandwiches before the interview and become a little bit more, maybe not fat, but, you know, chunky. And uh, he can be successful there as well. But uh, gun to my head, I'm going to say Jim Harbaugh. You're going to say Brian Dayball. I think you're probably going to be correct. And this is going to be one of those things well, where back and, and, and go, Chris is right. I, well, and I went with what I really, truly think. Uh, I would prefer Jim Harbaugh, uh, former player, uh, former um, uh, Super Bowl coach in the NFL. 
every quarterback he's touched has been successful. Andrew Luck, Kaepernick, Alex Smith, the guys in Michigan that I can't even, McNally or whatever their name is. So uh, you come in, he comes in with Tua. Man, I would love that because – he, he, he's, he's everything I said, right? Remember what I asked for, for a coach? He's fun at press conferences. He's, he celebrates and enjoys, um, you know, on the sideline and everything in his khaki pants. So it's just bring him on. Jim Harbaugh would be great, but uh, not shaving my head for Brian Dayball. Well, there you go. Uh, well, this has been, like you said many times already, Chris, a blessing for the show that Brian Flores was fired. I don't want to see this happen every single year, but it allows for us to have a good time as always. Uh, anything else you want to say, talk about, discuss before we get out of here? I think, I think we've said enough. Fat coaches, hashtag fat coaches. Fat coaches, hashtag fat, fat coaches. Well, on behalf of the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer, the entire Believe Podcast Network, betonline.ag, and of course myself, there's only thing, one, only one thing left to say to all the citizens of Perfectville and Brian Flores, and that is goodbye from Perfectville. Put in tits. Later. <laughs> <laughs>